It's episode 16 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, presented by DraftKings and brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I think everyone needs to take a big exhale right now because that was a crazy game we're about to react to. (laughs) Uh, The Preds just made the comeback of all comebacks. Uh, It was a roller coaster ride, but is this really anything new with the Preds? I mean, honestly, I mean, if you've been a a Preds fan for longer than one year, then you should be kind of used to this by now. But we're about to react to the Preds just having a huge comeback win over the Florida Panthers in overtime. We're going to get into – we we also had a great interview with the Florida Hockey Podcast, uh, who's on the Hockey Podcast Network with us, uh, just to uh, discuss the matchup. So we're going to have that later in the episode. And then we're also going to talk about some dream concerts we'd like to go to uh, game because uh, Music City USA and Nashville were all about live concerts. But let's let's get started with this. We're presented by DraftKings, and DraftKings has an awesome deal for you. Go sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code THPN, THPN uh, to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. Uh, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. So you can double your money just if a touchdown scored by using promo code THPN. Uh, it's the season finale of the season. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and Colorado. Restrictions apply. Visit DraftKings.com slash predictions dash challenge dash DFS for details. So, yeah, easy way to win some money on the Super Bowl this weekend. A big game. Use that promo code THPN. Uh they score a touchdown you're going to double your money and you're going to have a lot of fun watching the big game so yeah we're going to react to this game right now the preds just got a huge comeback when they made multiple comebacks in this game and we're going to go ahead and our savior up on the screen right now for everyone to see <laughs> because this is really what it comes down to there it is and it's the man it's philip forsberg Philip Forsberg was a man on a mission in this game. He was not going to take he he just wasn't going to take anything from anybody. He was literally putting the team on his back in a way that I've really never seen him do before. We've seen him score big goals. We've seen him do the flashy lacrosse style goals and all that crazy stuff. But we've, I mean, he he literally went into Roman Yossi mode here and just put the team on his back in this game. And you don't have – if Phil Forsberg is a no-show tonight or he he's even 50% of what he was, Preds lose tonight. That's honestly how I feel mm-hmm. about it. Yep. But that's not what happened. Forsberg was like, not on my watch. I'm sick of this. We're going to win this game. And so he was the savior <laughs> that we've been talking about for a while that the Preds need. And he just went out and did it. So um, we had to throw that up there because that's an awesome piece that uh, co-host Colin Bluen came up with. And so, again, I'm your host, Chad Minton, with co-host Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. Guys, I got to ask, how are you feeling right now? Well, now that my pulse has slowed down pretty good. I'm in a glass case of emotion. Has it slowed down, though? Has it slowed (laughs) down? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit, but not, not fully, but yeah. I'll still feel the adrenaline. I'll still feel the adrenaline. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm in a glass case of emotion. Uh, the adrenaline's still flowing, yeah. but you know, I'm, I'm happy. There's a lot, like a lot of emotion to process because that game was just. I mean, we didn't lead till we led. Like we we, we didn't lead till yeah, we it was such win, a crazy so. game. 
it was such a wide range of emotions in that game. Like it just, there was never like a smoothness to the game. It was just like up and down, up and down, up and down. You just never knew what was Mm going to happen. There were goals you thought were scored that weren't scored. There were penalties you thought that were called that weren't called. It was just one of the craziest games I've seen in a long time. Honestly. I don't think I really truly enjoyed it until like the two minute thirty second mark of the third period, where, right. we were like, where that was all yeah. that was all we had, and it just was like, "Are we going to do this?" And yeah. then Shane does so, it like, "Are we going to do this?" So yeah. So I have a confession to make. In the last episode, I kind of preached how the Preds aren't getting to overtime. They're not figuring out a way to get to overtime and at least salvage a point because all these other teams are. You know what? Scrap it. Scrap yep. whatever I said in the last episode. We want the two points. We don't we'll just want them. that one measly point. We'll take them. Forsberg said, Chad, you want that one measly point? We're taking all two. We're taking oh. both points. Screw your little strategy of at least get to overtime and we'll salvage a point. So I stand corrected on that one. Forsberg said, you know what? You're wrong, Chad. We're going to get two points every time we go to overtime. So the Preds are 3-0 and now in overtime. They won both yep. overtime games against the Blackhawks, and now they get this one. Uh, I also got this to show. So I'm sipping on a little cold snap Sam Adams seasonal tonight. <laughs> and I honestly bought it because all night I'm thinking in my head, the Preds are in a cold snap right now. We need to break this cold snap. <laughs> so I don't know if it was like reverse psychology. It's a great beer. But I don't know it if it's works. a little reverse psychology. But the Preds, they broke the cold snap, at least for now. They're no longer shivering in the cold because of that comeback. So uh, let's get into it. Let's go to Rich first, because, Rich, I want to kind of get your overall feelings about how the game started, kind of your range of emotions going through the game. What stood out to you other than Philip Forsberg, because he's the easy answer. <laughs> Just kind of give us how you feel about the whole game. Yeah, so the <clears throat> the first period, they looked great. It, it was It was actually like a carbon copy of all the other games. Pretty much, you know, we the first period, they looked great. You know, they got some scoring going and um, just look good like they always do. They always play a good first period, seems like, and this was one of their better ones. And then the second period started great. And I think I tweeted out or told you guys, we got like eight minutes of quality second period play by them. And then the wheels fell off, as it always does, and they took stupid penalties and they kept taking hey. them and taking them. And then but hey, what? the the wheels didn't completely fall off. Oh, they, they did had not. A, they, right. had a, they, they had a flat tire. I will give you that. I will give you that. Road, but, put their hazard lights on and replace flat tire. They replaced the they replaced the flat tire with one of those um one of those makeshift tires they throw in the back of every car and they kept on down yeah. the road and they figured out a way to finish. Yeah, that makes yeah. yeah, exactly. Does that make Forsberg our triple A? I think it is. <laughs> yes, Forsberg's our triple A. Forsberg's so, are yeah. everything, but he's definitely our he triple A. And, you know, as the game went on, like, they they play better in the third, as they always do, and you just they, – they were down by two, and it was just like, man, I don't know, they're running out of time. And then just they, they pulled it off. I mean, I, you can kind of give a little bit of credit to uh, Florida's coach for challenging the uh, high stick, which that was obviously a, a mistake by him. But you know what? Whatever, <laughs> we'll take it. He was he. Hey, he was going. For, he was going for the um, the finisher there. He was. He was. I, I, he he got overzealous in that challenge. Uh, he did. 
you know, it happened so quickly that at the time, in real time, I didn't know if it was a good challenge or not because it, it just did, happened yeah. so quickly. But uh, credit to the Fox Sports Tennessee crew. I know there's a lot of um, a lot of people who aren't able to watch the games right now, and that. But I will say the Fox Sports Tennessee crew did a good job covering this scenario because they they were basically saying like this challenge makes no sense. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, yeah, the, whole, the whole point of the the whole point of the challenge was they were challenging a high stick, but the high stick had nothing to do with the goal that was scored, which right. was what uh, Chris Mason, former Predators goalie, who is awesome. Yes. Chris Mason was basically making it like apparent, like this had nothing to do with the yeah. goal that was scored, and he ended up being dead right on it, and it put the Preds on the power play with two minutes and four seconds left on the clock. Roman Yossi had already scored the goal to make it five to four. And so Colin kind of give me some of your takeaways. Yeah. I mean, there's a good and bad from it. Cause we didn't lead to the very end of it. There were some things that were really head scratchers. It was frustrating. Um, you know, from the neutral perspective, neutral perspective, the refs, like the refs were just not yeah. consistent at all. They were very bad. Um, and, and there were a lot of interference calls that they missed on us, but they were calling them on us or against us. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was really frustrating. I mean, that's just, that's the NHL refs. We know that historically NHL refs are just, they're not the quality, the best quality of officiating in major sports, but you know we'll give them that. But you know credit to the Panthers, they do create chaos. They live up to the billing of what we could expect from them as far as the chaos they create in front of the net and the way they transition them and on their offense. So I will give them credit for that. They played a, you know a solid game. They probably should have had it honestly, but you know when you have a player like Forsberg who's having a night like he has, it's just incredible to watch. Um, you know from from that side of things as far as offense. Forsberg was the offense. Duchesne also was the offense, but a lot of the rest of the offense just it still looks the same as what we said before about mm-hmm. telegraphing the plays. I mean, some of those shots are so easy to read. You might as well call them Berenstein Bears. Like it's just it's not not working for us right now. So <laughs> yeah, we got we got we got to get it figured right. out. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I got to throw no, that. No. Out. That would be great. You know, deep, cut, deep cut, deep cut, deep yeah. cut. We got to clean up the stick penalties too. I mean, it's one thing to take a penalty to avoid, you know, a game-breaking play. It's another one that's a ticky-tack stick penalty. That's just stupid. That shouldn't even be happening. And, and Fabro, Fabro is the Jekyll mm. and Hyde. If this team is Jekyll and Hyde, Fabro is the, is the embodiment of it because there's some games where he's like, all right, he's having a solid game. He's getting some shots for the net. He's playing good defense. And then there's tonight where he has a turnover and he commits a stupid penalty. When you look back at it, the the turnover was what led to that first initial goal. The penalty was what gave them the power play that started out the second period and gave them that third goal. And that's really what took away some of our momentum and made it harder for us. You can't make it harder for the team like that. And to be responsible, basically, for at least two of their goals early on really puts us in a hole. But Duchesne showed up. I mean, Duchesne's been playing like a man on fire. We, When you look at the stats, you're like, okay, it's got to go right, right for him eventually. And tonight finally was that night. I mean, he really put it together, put it together a complete game. He looks good with Forsberg and Granlin. Like, I think that's the line. I think that's yeah. the move. Um, that's, uh, I don't know what we're going to do with you know, with the Jofa line, especially with Joey being out possibly. I don't, he didn't play in the third. Uh, very much looked, looked injured. So I don't know what that does with Arvidsson if, it, if uh, Colton Sisson centers him and someone else. But, yeah, that, that Forsberg, uh, Granlin, Duchesne line looks like the line that's going to get it done yeah. for us. So, yeah, at this point, you, I think you have to keep that line intact. That's your mm-hmm. moneymaker right now. I mean – you figure out all the other things around it, but you have to keep that line together because and, – and we saw this last season. You know, going into 2019-20 when Duchesne was a brand-new player on the Predators, Duchesne started off on a tear last se- – uh, mm-hmm. it feels like – when I say last season, it feels like an eternity ago. Mm-hmm. But when Duchesne started the 2019-20 season, 
with the Preds. He was on a tear. I mean, he was piling up the points each game. It looked like he looked like he was getting ready to have like a any a really outstanding season. And he was playing with Forsberg. And so you have to keep that line intact. Uh, we love the Jofa line. It's got a lot of history. Uh, Rich wrote an awesome article that was on Predlines.com uh, covering the Jofa line and if their time is over. So go check out that article. But, yeah, I mean, that line was so product- productive tonight. They had chemistry. Uh, they, they knew where each other was going to be at at all times. Duchesne looked comfortable. He looked dominant. He drew some penalties tonight. He was making crisp passes. He was aggressive. Forsberg did what Forsberg always does. And Granlund, I mean, Granlund wasn't like as dominant as maybe he's been in recent games, but Granlund looked good out there as well. And so uh, that line was just doing work tonight. They really were. And I think when you put Granlund in context of Forsberg and Duchesne, it's kind of like – He's the third guy, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. If that's our third option on a line that, that is that dangerous, then that's a good problem to have. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're, we're dead on, and especially with the fact that that is that it's working for us. My concern, though, is then look at Arvidsson, and, and, and Arvidsson's just had such a cold start, and you know mm-hmm. we still need him to produce, even if he's not on that you know top scoring line. We still need him to be able to produce for us because we got we can't have we can't rely on one line alone for scoring. And there's no, it's some other not. places. But you know, RV is the guy that we need to figure it out. Yeah, but there then, was. Uh, go ahead, oh, Rich. Good. I was just gonna say, and then uh, Yarncroft got a goal coming back his first game back. That was yeah. really good. Um, one thing I did notice was um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, they moved uh, Fabro to the third line with yep. Tenorti and moved Benning up to the second. So I don't know if he got a little bit in the doghouse for his play or whatever, but. Uh, uh, I, th- I think it's I honestly just I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think it's yeah. just Hines. I think Hines is just trying to find the right combinations all across the lineup right now uh, because it has had struggles going into this game. Even in their wins, they right. didn't look all that great. And so I think Hines is just trying to be a great. And I I appreciate what Hines John Hines is doing right now. He is, you know, he doesn't have a lot of the confidence from the fans right now. No, uh, but he he's he's being creative with his lineup decisions for better or worse, and tonight it worked out for him. Yeah, I mean he's got to figure something out, and you know you, you might as well do it and just that, see what happens. And that betting Ekholm line, that's a big body line too. Those are two yeah, of our biggest defensemen. So you, if you're seeing them two on the ice together and they're playing fast, that's one, that's one line you don't want to run into. So I appreciate yeah. that aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. And let's let's also let's also give a lot of credit to Pecorine. Oh, oh yeah, and this is this is not to criticize UC Soros because I can really only maybe pin one goal on UC Soros. He gave up five goals, but four of those five were just he was hung out to dry, which I feel like we we're repeating ourselves every episode. And it's because it keeps happening. That's why yeah. we keep repeating ourselves. And I mean, there were I mean, there were just goals where Soros had no chance, and it's just it's a product of just players out of position. They're just not in the right spot. And Saros is like, what, I mean, what can you do? Uh, even the world's best goaltender is not going to make some of these stops, but his stats look horrible now. And you feel for him because he gets pulled. And I was wondering going into the second intermission, you know, it's five, three, usually when a goaltender, whether it's their fault or not, usually when a goaltender is getting around that five goal range and you're mm-hmm. going into the second intermission, they usually get pulled, even if it's yeah. not their fault. Because the coach is trying to send a message to the team, he's trying to 
See if he, especially if the game's still within reach and you're only down two goals. And so that's what John Hines did. I wasn't sure if he was going to do it or not, honestly. But he he made the switch. He brought in Pekka Rene to start the third period. And Pekka kept this game Absolutely, he did. within reach. Uh, if, he, if Pekka comes out there and lays out a stinker and gives up a weak goal, I mean, I don't know – that momentum probably gets crushed, and I don't know if they mm-hmm. even make this come. It might the final score might have ended in six three, honestly. Like I don't know how it would have ended. But yeah. Rene comes in, he instantly makes a couple really tough saves right when he comes in to open that third period. And I was already thinking in my head, oh my gosh, this is about to be ugly. Like, you know, like are, are we about to get another touchdown scored on us? Is about to be another <laughs> seven spot. Like, like I was thinking that for a second, but Rene stood tall, made some big saves. And kept it within reach, and then you pull that empty net out, and that's when Roman Yossi gets the goal, and the rest is history. Uh, but yeah, a lot of respect goes to Pecorine. Now you have to wonder who starts tomorrow because it's anybody's guess who starts. I would think it's going to be Pecorine. I would, after, I would after, after after how Pecorine just played in that third period, they're probably going to go with Pekka. And again, this is not on Soros. Like we're not we're not piling on Soros. This is not no. on him. But I think when you have when you look at Pekka and, and Saros and you compare the intangibles, like Pekka's size just makes him a better fit because of the chaos mm-hmm. that they create in front of the net. You need a bigger body that can just throw it up sometimes and get some crazy saves that you wouldn't anticipate, and that's more Pekka than than Yus. Yus has good good vision, but some of these shots, the best vision can't help that. You just need someone that's going to be able to block it and either kick it out to the side or have some sort of crazy crazy save. So, I mean, you look at it; he didn't give up a golden night. Like the third period, he shut him out, and they especially towards the end. After we tied it up, they created a lot of chaos. So I was like, we cannot give this up. And Peck is the tall. So I think, you know, you ride that hot hand and let's see how he does tomorrow night. Yeah. So uh, the Panthers, let's talk about the Panthers a little bit. They were very, very potent on their power play, which we're kind of used to that with a lot of teams. Yeah. But they were, I mean, they were making some very sound passing, they tic tac toe type of stuff. And I mean, they they put it on us there for a little bit. I mean, it was back and forth. The Preds kept responding to get that tying goal, but I mean, it was. I mean, let's look at it. So uh, we, we mentioned earlier how uh, Fabro made that horrible turnover. That's the second time he's done that this season, where he's made this horrible turnover in, at, at mid ice to lead to a goal. So he, that that's like less than two minutes into the game. You're already down mm-hmm. one nothing. And that's scored on a backhand. Maybe Soros can make the really tough save, but he doesn't. He shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with because that was just – I don't know what Fabro was doing there. It's like he was trying to – he thought somebody was going to be there and he just passes it to a to an empty spot on the ice. It bounces off the boards, and the Florida Panthers are like, thank you, thank you for that. We appreciate yep. it. Like, Fabro deserves the assist on that first goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. There like, was actually I'm not trying to be too harsh. Yeah, there was actually a few passes that they did tonight that could have ended the same way. Yeah, they just they, yeah, they got to clean that up a little bit. And then Forsberg turns around and ties it uh, at nine minutes of the first period, so it's tied again. But then uh, Herberto, uh, who ends up having a hat trick for them, he's a little bit of an unknown. Quantity. A lot of like, unless you really follow the Panthers or you're or, or you're uh, someone who really just knows all about the NHL and follows everything meticulously. A little bit of an unknown commodity, but he's a really, really talented player. He ends up getting a hat trick in this game. He scores again to make it 2-1 to one Florida at 10 minutes of the first period, so a little over a minute after Forsberg ties it. 
goes right back to the Panthers. So you're like on this roller coaster ride already, and it's open ice. There's it's counterattacks back and forth, and then uh, and then Yarkroak uh, ties it, gets his second goal of the season, his first goal since coming back. This is his first game back off uh, injury reserve. Uh, he scores on a nice wrister. Oh, Forsberg yeah. with the Forsberg with the assist. So you go into the second period tied at two, and then uh, quickly into the second period, the Preds are already losing again. Uh, they're down on a power play goal, and then that's kind of when. And then Matt Duchesne comes out there and gets what I score, what I call a slam dunk type of goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's again Forsberg setting up Duchesne, and Duchesne just slams it in. I mean, it was like it was so pretty. And I mean, I jumped out of my seat when I saw this goal. I was just like going nuts. I'm like, you know, you're tied at three, and then not even a, a full. 90 seconds later, the Panthers take the lead right back again. It's like, are you serious right now? It's like, is this really what I'm watching? That also comes on the power play. Yeah, that was the one they scored. It took them seven seconds. Yeah. Seven seconds into the power play they scored. Yeah. It's like, like, is this really what I'm watching right now? Like the Preds keep going to the penalty box and giving the lead right back to them. That was like – that was the height of frustration in that game right there was when the Preds fell behind four to three after going to the penalty box again. And you can call some of those penalties ticky-tack, but they're also penalties that they're going to call. And sometimes you do got to expect your players to be smarter, especially when it's already being preached as a problem. Like going into the game, John Hines was already talking about how this is a focus in practice. So you can call it ticky-tack, but at the same time, the team needs to be focusing on this. And it's only those penalties uh, too. Yeah. And then Herbert O gets that trick. Uh, that was a scoring change. They didn't orig- originally. They didn't call him as the goal, but he gets the hatch and makes it five three, and so that's kind of when you're like, okay, is this really over? But the way this game was so wide open, yep. I I didn't feel like they were out of it. I felt like it was yeah. looking pretty bad, but I, I never felt like they were out of it. I will say that, like they were, I, I felt like they still had a chance, even going even even halfway third period I'm like you were starting to see the Preds build momentum they were starting to get to that five on five hockey that we've been talking about that they need to be at and so Rich kind of what'd you see in that third period what were you kind of like you know they're down five three they're trying to you got to get the first goal before you can tie it obviously what were you seeing the Preds do that worked worked for them to eventually get it to overtime well the one good thing was no penalties, you know, the, the refs, yeah. the refs put their whistles up and didn't call any more penalties and let them play the hockey game. So that was a good, you know, a good start. And then they just had their classic third period Preds push. I mean, they, they just keep coming at them. They were playing good five on five, which when they do play five on five, they get buzzing and they're, they're great. They can hang with anybody. And then, you know, they, they just, they just took over the game and then just luckily, they got that call the where he did the challenge and, and that obviously didn't work and that put him up onto the uh, power play. And then they pulled Rene and gave him a six on four and got that goal. So it was good. It was great. And it was just amazing. It's one of those unbelievable games that you're just like, you think it's going to be over, but it, it just ended so well. So it was good. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Goonies never say die, right? That's right. Yeah, so we we needed that. I mean, we needed that bad because you're looking at the standings right now. And of course, this is the Catfish and Ice podcast. We record 
and stream our episodes live every Monday and Thursday, but our episodes come out uh, every Tuesday and Friday. So if you're, if you're listening, if you're listening on uh, Friday or later on, then uh, we do record on Thursdays for all of our listeners that listen afterwards. But uh, just looking at the, looking at some of these scores right now around the NHL, the the Blue Jackets got a big win against the Dallas Stars, so that kind of evens things out a little bit. And that did not go to overtime either, so the Stars come out without a without a point in that game. And then you've got uh, let's see here, what's another Central Division game we got going on? All right, so uh, right now we're coming down to the to the end of the third period, and the Blackhawk Blackhawks are beating the <laughs> the Hurricanes five to four. So we're, look, we're looking at possibly two upsets in the Central Division tonight and the Preds get a win. So it's shaping out to be a pretty successful night all the way around for the Preds as far as making up some ground in the Central Division. And, I mean, you know, you got the Tampa Lightning up there with 13 points right now. They're not playing tonight. They've already they've only played eight games so far this season, but they got 13 points, 6-1-1. One, and one. Columbus has already played 12 games. So – uh, seeing them at 13 points and tied for first is a little misleading. You know, that's the biggest thing is none of these teams have played anywhere close to equal amount of games. So you can't really mm-hmm. focus on the points. And what, like I was saying in the last episode, it's more about the point percentages right now. And so one thing I will say is the Preds, when they win, they're winning in regular, you know, they're trying to win in regulation and they're, they're coming out with two points. And so that's a good thing. But, uh, uh, Colin, kind of what do you, what do you see about the Central Division? Is there anything that's changed uh, in the in the last week or whatever as as far as how you feel about the division? No, not really. I think that you know I think we're much more in par with uh, Florida and Carolina. I was a little worried for a second there, like are they really a rung above us? And seeing us play against Florida tonight, I see the like I see the appeal and I see what Florida has as far as like creating chaos, transitions, all the things that people are saying they do really well, and the power play too. But we can hang with them. We just have to play our game and play it smart. Uh, and same thing with Carolina. I mean, we played our probably our, still our best game today against them, um, even though it was a loss. I would love to see us play them again, and we're going to get that chance pretty soon. But you know, I think that we can we can take them. And so really the big question mark, I'm not worried about Columbus. I think that they'll, they'll even out eventually. The question mark for me is Dallas and Tampa Bay. We have to be able to get victories against them. doesn't mean we have to – we're not going to win, you know. We play them eight times each, I believe. You know, we're not going to get – you know, seven, seven wins or, you know, six wins against those, you know, two, and then only take those two losses. But we need to at least get three or four wins from those two this season to really be considered, you know, in contention and really make me feel like we're comfortable in that fourth spot or even that third spot. But, um, you know, the rest of the division, I mean, Chicago, it's just, I don't know. Chicago seems to get, I don't know if it's luck or they do have some solid pieces. And I guess if they get on the power play, they can score them. They're good on the power play. So I'll give them that. Uh, but Chicago has some surprising wins this year. That, that kind of, it perplexes me. Like I said, I think we'll get Columbus. I think that'll even out. And Detroit's just Detroit. I can't wait to play them. I, I really hope we don't do what we usually do. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they don't play down to their ability. Yeah. So, Rich, Rich, besides Tampa Bay, is there a team that's really, like, sticking out to you, like, that can kind of uh, – I don't know, like, maybe – because I think Tampa Bay is still kind of the cream of the crop of the division, especially after seeing Dallas lose tonight. And seeing Carolina kind of struggle with uh, Chicago, I mean, upsets happen all the time in hockey. We know that, so uh, you can't over ever overreact to one loss. But at the same time, Tampa seems to be that team that just keeps plugging away and keeps doing what they do. And so, Rich, is there another team that you see that's just really sticking out right now that can challenge Tampa Bay like legitimately? 
I, I, I'm just – it's Dallas. It's got to be Dallas. I know they, they lost or whatever, but they're just a tough team. I mean, you saw what they did to us. And, mm. I mean, they're just – they play hard. They, you know, hit you in the face. If they're losing, then they're going to start fighting. And yeah, just, that's I a mean, good point. I mean, that's – you know, Tampa Bay is the same way. When they, when they start losing, they start, you know, trying to aggravate you to get you out of your game. And I just think definitely those two – Unless something drastic happens, those that's going to be your one and two in the central. Yeah, yeah. and looking looking back when we were talking about in the off season, like you know about the division realignment and all that stuff, and we were like, okay, well, it's a good challenge. We're having you know we're having Tampa Bay and Dallas both in the division. Now I'm like, man, we should have given Dallas to the West and taken St. Louis because it's right. not fair, it's not fair playing two cup contenders that are really in a good a good spot, you know, from a roster standpoint, um, and, and they they just take over games like they just. They don't even if they're down. That like you said, they're gonna agitate you. They can beat you off the mm-hmm. puck. They have shooters, and they just they have some they have some dudes, and it sucks to say it, but they do. We gotta go. Yeah. So one thing I want to share, and this was this came from uh, Fox Sports Tennessee as well. They shared. I kind of found this stat surprising. I thought there'd be a few more uh, players that had done this, but Philip Forsberg became the was it the fifth yep. player in history in team history to have, or was it the sixth? I believe it's the fifth. I'll, I'll pull it up here. But, but they, he had a five-point game. It hasn't been done very many times in the franchise's history. Some of the players that have done it, J.P. Dumont, for all those old-school Preds fans, J.P. Dumont did it. Uh, Merrick Zidlicki, another old-school player, did it. Uh, you've got Dan Hamus. Yeah, back in the, the first that was That was yeah. a pretty – I didn't expect to see Dan Hamus as one of those players, but he was, That's crazy. you know, in his early years, he was a guy who could yep. get, get some in, some things. That was in his think, 04 run too. Yeah. I think it was Adam Bingen tweeted it out, said that Forsberg, this was only like the second or third time he's had a four point game. Yeah. And the last yeah, time that, was like 2016. That's kind of like, surprising to hear that. It was yeah. too. Yeah. I thought so too. But, uh, you know, five-point games, they you know, especially with the Preds, they don't always come around that often because we've never had, like, an elite uh, – you know, Roman Yossi is obviously in that class. But as far as a forward is concerned, we've never really had, like, a Connor McDavid type of player or, a, right. you know, some of those other, you know, awesome offensive players. And so that's kind of why you don't – when you do see a five-point game, it's eye-opening. So Forsberg, he is – we've been talking about this for years now. We're waiting for Forsberg to take that next step. Like he's in that really high up tier where he's considered yeah. a, an awesome offensive player. He's he's kind of a household name, I would say, among all NHL fans. But he's not. I wouldn't put him in that elite class yet. No, he yet. does a lot of these great things that get him close to that. But the way he's playing this season, he's making a case for it he is. right now. I mean, it's so, February. Yeah, and we got a long ways. Hey, we got a long ways to go in February too. It's still the early goings of February. So he's the the sad February than last year's February though. Yeah, Yeah. last year's February was bad. The stat I read though is through eighty-two games in February in the month of February in his career, he's got seventy-two points. So wow, wow, I'll take that. Talk about stats, yeah, yeah. Talk about stats. Hey, that's crazy. Uh, So we got to face the Panthers again really quick tomorrow. It's a true back-to-back. And uh, we already kind of brought this up earlier in the episode. Who do you go with the net? Do you go with the odd hand and go ahead and start Pecorine? I think that's what they're probably going to do. I'd be really shocked if they threw UC Soros back out there again after he just had a really rough night that wasn't 
all all on him, obviously. But I think the way Pecorino played in that third period, uh, you have to throw him in to start tomorrow night. And maybe Peck, maybe we can finally get a, win a game. We haven't won a game yet this season. Maybe you can maybe call the one win against Chicago where Soros kind of put the team on his back a little bit. But yeah. for the most part, the Preds haven't really won any games where the goaltender just went into beast mode and just said, "Nope, it's not happening tonight." You're not. We're gonna win no matter what because I'm locked in. So, do you guys think like with all these times that Soros is being hung out to dry? Do you think that's getting in his head, or I, I don't think it's getting in his head. I don't think it's really on him. I just really don't. I think. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple goals where we were like, "Yeah, he could have made a really incredible save and stopped that." Yeah. But for the most part, these are goals that are a product of just the team's not showing any resistance. And, and, you know, what do you expect Soros to do? I mean, there yeah. were, there were already 12 shots on goal, like within the first 10 minutes of the game from, from Florida. So, I mean, I, I tweeted this out in the first period. I'm like, both goaltenders are on an Island right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it was, it was two to two really quick. And it was just like, wow, this is going to be a track meet. And that's what it ended up being. But yeah, I, I don't think he can really throw too much on either goaltender tonight. But Bobrovsky uh, either can't put hit on him either because you know he 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 also faced a lot of firepower and was was kind of hung out to dry a little bit by his own team. So you know uh, we get their uh, we get a, we get their backup goaltender tomorrow who's actually playing really well. And in our next segment, we're going to talk to uh, the guys that run the Florida Hockey Podcast, uh, which is also part of the Hockey Podcast Network. But uh, uh, Dreger, Chris Dreger, is only has 14 career NHL starts, so he's he's definitely or Dreger, I should say Dreger, uh, correct pronunciation there. Now to go along with our theme of not pronouncing players' yeah. names right, I was going to say that like Florida's Florida's got a lot of guys' names who and are so, really hard to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Ross but, uh, keeps under like Bob Ross every time they said it. Yeah, so. but yeah. but Drieger, but Drieger, he's got 14 career NHL starts under his belt, but he's played very well for them so far this season. So um, I wouldn't look at them as saying, "Oh, we're playing their backup, so we should have another five or six goal game." I wouldn't necessarily pencil that one in. But definitely think you got to go with Pecorino tomorrow night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a hot hand for sure. I would agree with that. Definitely. And then just uh, kind of feel bad for Soros at the same time. And hopefully that in his next start, the team plays much better in front of him. I said that going into this game and it didn't happen. But eventually, you know, you got to yeah, hope next, that the next one's Tampa Bay. All, all yeah. I know is that his teammates <laughs> better be. Uh, Buying yes. him some dinners or doing something for him because definitely he deserves it. They haven't done him any favors. Nope. And so uh that's gonna do it for our live stream tonight. Reacting to the game. We appreciate you watching. Uh we're gonna round out episode 16 uh on the podcast side of it, side of things. So we do invite you to listen to our podcast episode, which will be released tomorrow via the hockey podcast network. You can find our podcast on Apple, on Spotify. All the main podcast networks you listen to your podcast on, you can find us on there. So that the, the complete episode will be released tomorrow. Uh, we also have that interview with the Florida Hockey Podcast, uh, who is going to go deep dive into the Florida Panthers. Because let's be honest, we don't play the Florida Panthers that often. Uh, yep. For them to be in our division right now is kind of a, a learning process for a lot of Predators fans because we usually only play them twice a year. The Panthers did beat us twice last season. 
including a 3-0 shutout. So they do kind of have our number, and they played pretty well against us tonight, even though we did sneak out with the win. So uh, we do invite you to listen to that interview on our episode tomorrow as well. And then we're also going to round out episode 16 with some talks about Music City USA and how Nashville's known for live outdoor concerts. And if you've ever been to Bridgestone Arena, you got the Bridgestone Arena Plaza. They like to do concerts on Broadway. They like, And when all that stuff comes back again, and it's safe to do those types of things again, got us thinking about what concert would we would we like to go to? What band or artist would we, would we like to see? And it could be living or dead, even if it's a band that's no longer around. This is a hypothetical thing, but something we wanted to have fun with. What what couple bands or artists would, would we like to see whenever we go back to a game at Bridgestone Arena to to start a game? And so we're going to talk about that in the rounding out episode and the to round out the episode sixteen. So that's going to be out tomorrow. So thank you for watching the live stream as we react to this huge Preds comeback. They went six to five over the, over the Florida Panthers, and they're now five five and zero on the season. So this that does it for our live stream. And please listen to the rest of our episode uh, that will be put out uh, tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. All right, we're back for episode 16 of the Catfish and Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and presented by DraftKings. Uh, this is your host, Chad Minton, with you right now. Uh, my other hosts are going to be joining me later on in the episode. But for now, uh, really excited to have the, the Florida Hockey Podcast join us. They cover the Florida Panthers, which is next up on the National Predators uh, schedule. They got a back-to-back with the Florida Panthers on Thursday and Friday, so it's a pretty big matchup for the press. So I'm joined by Noah, who's one of the hosts of the Florida Hockey Podcast. How are you doing today, Noah? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, no problem. We're, uh, we really appreciate it. We always like to get a perspective from the other uh, teams. Uh, the Florida Hockey Podcast is also on the Hockey Podcast Network with us, so we always like to reach out to the other podcasts on the network, help us get a perspective on the next opponent. And so when it comes to the Florida Panthers, uh, Noah, just kind of give uh, give us some of the impact players right now for the Panthers that are really playing well and really, really helping the team be successful. So uh, you guys are five zero and one right now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think from from what I've seen so far of the, the first six games, you're you're about to play a very hardworking team that does not give up. Um, obviously, uh, name brand guys, uh, Jonathan Huberto, Alex Barkov, like always got a the watch out for those guys. Um, but kind of on the depth chart is, first of all, on the first line, a uh, guy that Bill Zito picked up from the Lightning this summer is, uh, or I guess in the offseason, we're not really talking about the summer. Uh, Carter Verhage mm-hmm. has been just lighting it up uh, on that first line with Barkov. Um, he's, he's, been, he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, a wonderful surprise so far. Uh, he, he's been really good. And then I... I I'm a huge fan of the Anthony Duclair move, uh, picking him up. I, th- I thought it was such a fantastic uh, move on Bill Zito's part. Just uh, no risk kind of move, and he can just fly down the wing. Um, gotcha. ve- very fast, uh, so he's definitely uh, to look out. And there's some good depth pieces. I love Nolachari. Uh, he's 
you know, just grit on top of grit and he'll never give up on a play. Uh, our, the, the defense is where uh, you're kind of looking at a little bit more of holes. Um, okay. the solid top two with Ekblad and Uyghur, but then you, you look down and of course uh, we, we have the whole Yandel situation where his five on five play is not always up to par defensively. So he's always somebody to watch out for on defense and uh, for you as a Nashville fan to kind mm-hmm. of look out for. Uh, and then just, yeah, a few more depth pieces with uh, Radko Gudis there rounding out that blue line. Uh, but, you know, solid team. A lot of depth. And then, of course, in net. Uh, so Bobrovsky starting tonight. Uh, the assumption is Drieger will get it tomorrow. Um, two very good goalies. Drieger has been, honestly, like such a fantastic backup for for um, for the Panthers so far. But when, when you look at Bobrovsky, you, you never know what Bobrovsky you're going to get on a given night. Uh, so as long as Nashville just sends pucks to the net, you should be. That, well, that should be the game plan. Well, that's uh, that's funny to bring that up because uh, that's kind of what the Preds are bad about this season is they're they're just kind of closing their eyes and hoping something good happens, uh, slapping the puck at the net, and it hasn't been working out for them so far, uh, really against especially against the superior talent in the division against the Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We looked pretty inferior, but we also did pretty well against Columbus and against Chicago. So. Uh, for me, this is a really big measuring stick series for the Preds because uh, we really got to see if the Preds can even be considered a top four team right now. They're certainly not the way they're playing right now. But if they can do well against a very respected Panthers team, I have a lot of respect for the Panthers and what they're doing. And I think they're definitely a top four team in the division. I think it would be a huge uh, a huge uh, couple of wins for the Preds if they could somehow figure it out. Uh, kind of how do you see this matchup going? Have you kind of like looked into uh, – because you know, uh, the, as Preds fans, we don't really see the Panthers that often, uh, two times a year. So a lot of a lot of Preds fans probably have very little knowledge about uh, the Panthers. Uh, so kind of get kind of tell me from your expertise and from your perspective uh, covering the Panthers, what do you see in this matchup? Do you see it as a this should be an easy two wins for Florida, or do you see it a lot closer than that? So I obviously not an easy two wins. That's I, I right off the bat. Um, a lot of respect for Nashville. Um, although, I mean, w- when we did our preseason rankings, I, Justin and I did not have them in our top four. We, we had them in that fifth slot, kind of fighting for that mm-hmm. playoff spot. And that's still where I see them right now. Going into the matchup, we're, we're looking at a Preds team that has struggled a yes. lot on the power play. Yes. And th- there's kind of like... I, I really don't know what's going on there because there's definitely the big name guys are there mm-hmm. and it's just not, it's not clicking and Panthers have a pretty respectable uh, penalty kill unit. So I don't see it coming down to special teams as much as I see it coming down to just five on five play. Um, you know, I, I regard Nashville in the same kind of uh, difficulty category as uh, Columbus in the sense that, you know, just, that that's where middle of the pack teams and I more or less see Florida in that, in that same conversation, obviously the start to the season has been fantastic, but you got to remember that we played, we played three teams now and those three teams are Chicago, uh, Columbus and Detroit. Right. So this, this in my opinion is like kind of our, this is going to be a fantastic test 
And I'm really, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what Bobrovsky has to show because mm-hmm. so far, so far it's, it's a lot of last year and not a lot of Vezina year. So mm-hmm. it, it's going to be interesting, but yeah, no, I think it's going to be a very five on five oriented hockey game where, you know, the depth is going to show a lot and we'll mm-hmm. see, we'll see how that goes. Well, uh, I really hope you're right about the five-on-five scenario, and that's what we get mostly of because the Preds have looked really well on five-on-five this season. It, their issues are completely on the penalty kill and on the power play. When you when they're uh, when they're at a five-four disadvantage and they're having to kill off penalties, they're just getting circles ran around them. They're losing momentum, and then they just can't recover from it. And so, but at five-on-five, they've proven to be a pretty difficult team to score against. So. I'm hoping that comes true, and it is more five-on-five because five I'll give us a much better chance to have some success. Uh, let's uh, Again, I'm joined by Noah of the Florida Hockey Podcast. Go follow them on t- the po- their podcast on Twitter, at Florida Hockey. Uh, so one more thing I want to get to real quick before uh, before I let you, let you go and we can get ready to watch these two big games. I just wanted to kind of get your opinion uh, – Where's the ceiling at for the Panthers this season? Like, are is it are you is it feeling like the type of year where this team could really go on a run if they get in the playoffs and make some big noise, or the expectations still kind of tempered and you're still kind of think you might be a season or two away from really getting that? Maybe you need a couple more pieces. Uh, what's kind of the overall thoughts around this team when it comes to their ceiling? Um. Listen, like I'm I'm not going to say they can't be Stanley Cup contenders. Mm-hmm because it's all about riding the hot goalie. And if Bobrovsky yep. gets hot, I think that the, the conversation we have now is completely different. And that, that he represents such a big variable in that quest. Um, definitely see them as a um, kind of a division final candidate. Um, but as I said, the goaltending is where it's, going to be played but i would i would be very uh disappointed if they just didn't even make the playoffs like that's the expectation especially with this hot start is playoffs and then we'll we'll see about the first round matchup obviously you have no idea what to you you know it's the playoffs it's completely different hockey so you never know about that but panthers still have a fairly young core you know guys are signed for a long time on the high end so we're we're just I, I think in the coming years we're gonna be more in that Stanley Cup conversation, but for now it's definitely a little more tempered. But if we don't make the playoffs, that would be a disappointment. Gotcha. Yeah, this series is is really intriguing to me just because we don't get to see the Panthers a lot. And the Panthers for me are one of those teams that I consider on the up and up, and they're they're definitely a team that needs to be on everyone's radar. So I'm just really just excited to see how the Preds match up with this team. Uh, again, Noah, thank you so much for joining the Catfish and Ice podcast. Uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. Again, he runs the he's one of the hosts of the Florida Hockey Podcast covering the uh, Florida Panthers. So go check them out on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. And we will be right back for more of episode 16 presented by DraftKings and uh, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. I am one half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin. 
joined by my teammates, the man called Wags. And we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that includes expert analysis, whether it's at Enterprise Center. When you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the, the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blues first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Braden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach, Craig Berube, reached out as well. And um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> and we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. The Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for Game 4 of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for Game 4 of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician, too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me you played the game with a candle to your rear. Never wanting to leave the eyes when the pain set in. So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcasts from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump. Listen to Blue Notes and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. All right, it's we're back with episode 16 of the Catfish and Ice podcast presented by DraftKings and brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We just uh, talked with the Florida Hockey Podcast, kind of give us some insight on the opponent. Uh, we just played one game against them, but we still don't know a lot about them. And so uh, we appreciate them joining us on episode 16 to give us some insight on the Florida Panthers. Uh, that was awesome, so thanks to them. Uh, again, uh, we uh, invite all of our uh, listeners to go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, go download the app ahead of the Super Bowl and use the promo code THPN to the Super Bowl Prediction Challenge. All you got to do is predict a touchdown to be scored, super easy, straightforward, and you'll double your money. So really easy bet to get your feet wet on, um, on the sports betting there. And, of course, everyone watches the Super Bowl. And uh, it should be a lot of fun, so we invite you to go do that with DraftKings. And now, so real quick, before we get into our final segment of Episode 16, we do want to get show some uh, love to some of our Twitter responders, and we've had a lot of awesome responses. And uh, one of them is uh, Kid Cadillac. Kid Cadillac's been uh, following a lot of our stuff, and we, uh, we appreciate him. And uh, basically... He, he was tweeting about how he, he was questioning some of these fans and how they're dipping out on the team too quick and whatnot. And so we want to throw some love to Kid Cadillac because uh, Kid Cadillac was basically saying, yep. not going to give up on the team. I'm still here. Uh, during tonight's game, Preds were losing. Things weren't looking good. 
and he was he was out there tweeting about how he's he's still following the team and he's not going to give up on the Preds. So you got to love fans like that, right, guys? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we appreciate Kid Cadillac uh, following the podcast. Uh, also, uh, let's see, we had some other responses. We've been getting a lot of good Twitter responses lately, so we just really appreciate all of our followers and all of our listeners for getting involved because that's what really makes this a lot of fun is when we uh, create one of these uh, communities where we talk about the team and we get into all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, so we tweeted out we tweeted out earlier about a uh, Preds prospect, uh, David Ferentz, who is currently playing uh, collegiately for uh, Boston University. Very – very coveted prospect. You know, once you get past Philip Tomasino, once you get past Askarov, uh, I mean, David Ferentz is right up there is one of those prospects that you're hoping for. And uh, EP Rinkside, who does a lot of prospect stuff, was talking about how kind of how David Ferentz is doing. So we wanted to put that, put that out there. And Peter Newsom on Twitter mm-hmm. put out something that kind of scares me a little bit. He put out if he if Ferentz actually signs with us, still having some Jimmy Vesey flashbacks. And so for all those Preds fans who remember, Jimmy Vesey pretty much left us at the altar and decided he didn't want to play for the Preds. And that was that was pretty was pretty tough at the time because Vesey was a big deal. Like a lot of people were excited about him. I'm not even sure how he's doing now in the league. Like, I don't know where he's at. I guess that's a good thing. I guess his career didn't turn out too great if we don't even know where he ended up. I'm sure he's still in the league. We can look that up real quick. But thanks to uh, thanks to Peter Newsom for giving us that response on Twitter as well, even though that's a memory I don't really want to have. I do appreciate you reminding me of that, Peter. And so we appreciate you. <laughs> we appreciate you following along on the podcast as well. So now we're going to get into – Music City USA. That's Nashville Predators. Nashville's Music City USA, and whenever it's uh, whenever we're allowed to go to all these uh, awesome concerts, and that's what Nashville's known for is these outdoor concerts. And the Preds uh, before Preds games, especially playoff games in the past, there's been big concerts and all that stuff. And so got us thinking about some dream concerts that we would like to go to before we go to our next Preds game. Maybe it could be a Preds home playoff game. We'll call it that. Since we're talking hypotheticals here, let's talk. Let's 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 put it in that atmosphere. We're gonna go see our bands. These bands that we're about to name before a Preds playoff home game. The weather's perfect. Everyone's in a good mood. Good vibes flowing everywhere. That's what that that's the picture we're trying to paint here. And so, uh, Rich, I'm Rich. You're a musician, right? Yep. Yeah, you you're in a band, actually, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So sure kind of tell the listener, kind of tell the listeners about your music background and kind of what you do with your music. Uh, I've played guitar from since I was in like eighth grade and I actually should be better than I am, but I mean, <laughs> you know, stuff, stuff happens, but you know, just, I've always been involved in music since then. And just, I mean, even before I played, I was always into music. So just kind of evolved over the years and just like, that's my other, besides hockey is the other passion that I have is, playing guitar and that's awesome yeah it's fun and it's Col- awesome. colin you colin do you play music too he's got yeah, a guitar I, in the back i got my guitar yeah back well that actually, doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah i do actually i taught music for five years believe it or not that's awesome. so, yeah i taught middle school and high school it was a really awesome awesome time in my career but uh on to other things now in education but yeah music's been definitely a big part of my life yep 
So that makes two of our the three Catfish and Ice podcast hosts that have music talent. <laughs> I I am the one that has zero music talent. You can so, play cowbell uh, though, right? Uh, I could probably figure out cowbell, or I can do some karaoke for it. I, can, play I, I can do shakers. some karaoke. Okay. No, I I can do some karaoke for you. Right. I've been to, I've been told I'm a really good karaoke performer. Just saying. Awesome. There we go. Not not not, not trying to toot my own horn on that one, but I've been told <laughs> I'm I'm one of the stars of the generations when it comes that's, to uh, karaoke performers. Yeah, but we'll leave it at that. My my music talent stops there. So at least two <laughs> of our three hosts are uh, good at music. Uh, we'll, we'll leave me out of that one. But anyway, so let's get into this here. Who wants to start off? I, I'll kind of go last on my musicians, but just name some artists. We were like, and it could be living or dead. It, it, it doesn't have to be something that's completely possible. Uh, this is just a fun topic that we're going to have yeah. here. So, Colin, yeah. you want to start it off? Yeah, yeah, sure. I actually, it was funny you mentioned this. You brought this topic up today before we were kind of discussing what the episode's going to look like tonight. And I was texting Eli, who's one of our Predlines writers, and I said, yeah. it's impossible to put, it's impossible not to shave five minutes off your drive time if you have Motley Crue's Kickstart My Heart on a playlist. <laughs> and so oh, that, that'd be one, because if, if they played before a playoff game, I mean, that would have me so hyped. But uh, oh, wow. I've, got, yeah. I've got top five. So I've got Motley Crue, Chris Stapleton, Cage the Elephant, Gary Clark Jr., and then Portugal the Man. So, oh, I've seen, that's, I've a, that's a good little top five there. I Gary saw Park. Gary Clark Jr. in Louisville. He awesome. is amazing. Oh and, I've seen Cage, and I actually saw Cage the Elephant elephant at a free concert. Uh, so, Nashville does Live on the Green. Yeah. You guys heard of Live on the Green? Oh, yeah. yeah. And Cage the Elephant played it Live on the Green. I mean, I have to be going back. This has to be going back like at least five or six years, maybe even longer. But uh, they did a live, a free live concert live on the green. They were the headliners, and they just—I mean, it was. I, I remember the whole time thinking, "This is a free concert," and it's uh, live on the green is normally done in August, uh, where you know in Nashville it's still kind of humid, it's still kind of hot and sticky that time of year. But normally, once the sun goes down a little bit and you're outside and you're having a good time, fresh air. Uh, yeah, so go to Live on the Green, everyone, if you ever get a chance in the future, because it's awesome. But uh, Cage the Elephant played there. I actually saw them play Cage the Elephant at uh, Bonnaroo, so that was that was an awesome experience. Okay. Yeah, they're, 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 they're good ones. I mean, they, their performance live is, is awesome. That's amazing. But Motley Crue, I got to give you credit for that one. Motley Crue, when it comes to hockey terms, <laughs> you want to talk <laughs> about getting people fired up. Oh, yeah. And we know we know how our our predators faithful how crazy they get sometimes. Could you imagine if you put them out there with uh, Motley Crue playing? Oh my gosh, oh, man. it'd be a party. I, I love, mean, I that it. place would that place would, would. I mean, would they even make it into the Bridgestone Arena? Like, I mean, <laughs> they might party so hard. They might they party would. so hard. That, they would, but the beer sales would be like the, the historical. <laughs> they so. would set records. Yes, they would set true. records. That actually reminds me of when. Uh, so I'm in the service industry. Uh, for all of our listeners that don't know, uh, I'm actually a bartender in Nashville as well. And um, they kind of the whole running out of beer thing gave me a quick little reminder of when the Green Bay Packers played here a couple of years ago against <laughs> oh, wow. the Titans, and the city literally ran out of Miller Lite. Wow, that's yep. not that's not an exaggeration. It literally happened. If you wanted to go get a beer anywhere in Lower Broadway or in that surrounding area. And of course, Miller Lite is, you know, that Miller's based out brewing companies based out of Wisconsin. And so, yeah, they drank, they drank the city 
dry of Miller Lite. That's not even an exaggeration. So that I, I'm sorry, I, I got sidetracked there when you said when we we you talk about Motley Crue and, and fans going crazy, and I immediately thought about how crazy those Packers fans were. But I, I I envision a similar scenario if Motley Crue played before a Preds game. Oh yeah, I actually so, saw them. I actually saw them a long time ago. Yeah, it really. Was, yeah, it was an insane thing to watch. I yeah, can only imagine. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Rich, get give us some of yours. All right, so I've been to like a whole bunch of concerts. I used to go to them all the time, and I've seen almost everybody that I've ever wanted to see, except for Dave Matthews Band. I've never seen them. Okay. And I've never seen like one of my other favorite bands is the Deftones. Oh yeah. Ooh. I've never seen those guys, but I started thinking about the kind of band you would need before a Predators game. And I've seen these guys like three times, but just imagine uh, Metallica. Oh, on, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that would be. Playing. So, yeah. So, like a long time, well, not too long ago, but I had a chance to actually go to Bridgestone when Metallica was there playing. And I found out later on that um, Lemmy from Motorhead came up and played a Motorhead song with those guys. And that would be another one I would like to see, would have been to see Motorhead, but. The band that I really would think would be awesome outside in front of Bridgestone would be the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, I saw those! I saw those guys like a long time ago. They bring the energy. They're all over the place. I think they could really get the crowd pumped up. They were awesome. So, those, that would be my two: Metallica and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Fun fact: That's Metallica actually comment. makes hockey merch, so you can get a Metallica hockey jersey. They look pretty yeah. sick. So, That's just awesome. put that out there. That's it's something awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check out. I had no idea that Metallica made a hockey jersey, but it makes, know, total, it makes total sense. Like, smart on them. <laughs> they can yep. they can pretty much put their logo on anything. They could. And, and probably yeah. sell it. I mean, hey, uh, Metallica has their own uh, line of vacuum cleaners now. Come get you one. Come get you one. Just like buy <laughs> Metallica vacuum cleaner. I don't know. They, they would right. do like some sort of play on Enter Sandman, but just with a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's, that's what I was thinking. Well, that's what Kiss does. Those guys sell everything. They have like yeah. caskets and like absolutely like toys. So, and- I, so I've got three very different, drastically different artists slash bands, and um, there are three that they're literally my top three that I would that I would like to see, and I just lump them into this because why would I not want to see one of my favorite bands slash artists right before I go see my favorite hockey team? So. Like I said, three complete. They have. They're not even in the same stratosphere as each other. That's good. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and start with the one that's really crazy, but one that has a huge niche audience. And for the people who appreciate this band, they're gonna be like standing up and going crazy over this answer. System of a Down. Oh, oh yeah. They are yeah. a really hard band to see live. First of all, and I know this would never happen, but could you imagine uh, Chop Suey or Toxicity? on Broadway before a Preds game, like people getting crazy. It kind of goes along with that uh, Motley Crue theme and Metallica theme, honestly. That would get people crazy. System of a Down has always been one of my favorite bands. And they actually, they're making a comeback. They have a new album out. I was going to say they just released it, didn't they? Yeah, they went went MIA for so long and everyone thought they would never come back. And so now they're back. So that's that's one. I got another one that's more old school. It's more, uh, this is probably... It's all like it's almost like picking your favorite movie. It's really hard to pick your it favorite band. But if you really made me pick my favorite band of all time, it would be Pink Floyd. Oh. Uh, and so uh I, I guess it doesn't go exactly with hockey, but I don't care. 
I would be so relaxed and so in a good mood going into a hockey game if I could see Pink Floyd play live. And so I threw Pink Floyd in there. And then my last one, this 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 artist is so dear to my heart. And it's because I grew up here and I grew up in Hendersonville. I grew up right down the street from where this person's uh, house was on the lake. And I'm talking about Johnny Cash. Oh, mm. yes. And a good, I good mean, call. Johnny, I thought, you, I, I thought you might say Taylor Swift there for a second. I was a little worried. She was oh awesome my God. Too. Ta- Taylor Swift. So Taylor Swift actually went to the opposite rival high school as I did in uh, Hendersonville. So, but no, it's not, it's not Taylor Swift. It's not Taylor Swift. It's talented as Taylor Swift is. And is. she's awesome. I did not bring up. It was not Taylor Swift. Uh, Johnny Cash is one of those artists where, uh, I mean, his voice is just, is, is so like mesmerizing. And I mean, it, just to, if you could somehow, like this is all hypothetically speaking, but if there was a way to put Johnny Cash in his prime on a stage outside Bridgestone Arena playing Folsom Prison Blues or playing, uh, you know, any walk the line, all of his hits. I mean, oh my gosh, I would I would probably just pass out. Like, I don't even know what I would do. <laughs> like, he's just one of those iconic uh, musicians and Growing up in Hendersonville, he was royalty because he had a house on the lake. You could only see his house from the lake. And so uh, you just knew all – you knew who – I knew who Johnny Cash was before I even really knew what music was. You know, that's how big of a deal Johnny Cash was from a young age for me. And so those are my three. Again, we had some good ones here spreading all over the atmosphere there when it comes to music. But uh, that's what was fun about this topic. And we hope that, you know, again, when everything is safe again and people can start going out and, and doing all that kind of stuff, it's going to be really fun to see what kind of uh, what kind of uh, at, uh, musical acts they have lined up because I can promise you Nashville knows how to do concerts. They know how to do live events. And whenever that stuff can get back going again, there's going to be some really big-time artists. And, and one thing I will say before we round out episode 16 – of Catfish and Ice podcast. Nashville is not just a country music city. Nashville is a very, it's a melting pot for music. Like a lot of people sometimes think that Nashville is all country music. And it's true. Country, country music is a really big deal in Nashville, but there's musicians from all different types of genres that come to this city. And so whether it's rock, whether it's, um, uh, whether it's, uh, folk, folk music, uh, all that stuff. I mean, it's out there. And so it's going to be really awesome to see those music festivals come back. And I'm sure the Nashville Predators, they know how to throw a party. We know it from the All-Star game. We know mm-hmm. it from when they went to the Stanley Cup. They're going to they're gonna plan something awesome when it's safe to do so again. And so that's kind of what inspired this topic tonight. And so we just we all can't wait till that happens. Matt, I just got a lightning bolt of, of clarity just now when you said there's other genres. There's a national resident who would be absolutely fantastic to get the team hyped up, to get everybody hyped up. And okay. it's, it's, uh, it's uh, oh my gosh, Jack White. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You, you have him playing oh, Stephanie sure. Army live? Oh, man. Yeah. I, I had to throw that I one mean, out there. <laughs> we might need to go ahead and send that to Bridgestone Arena and whoever makes those plans and be like, hey, let's go ahead and get this plan so that when, it, when we can make this happen, because <laughs> that He's would local. be awesome. Jack White, Jack White, and Jack White would do it in a heartbeat because he oh, loves yeah. the city. Yeah, Jack White's a good – that's a really good one. That's a good call. For sure. And that's a perfect example of it's not all just country music in Nashville. Nope. There's 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 artist, there's artist, musical artists from all different genres 
coming to Nashville. So uh, that's what inspired this topic. A lot of our listeners uh, live in the Nashville area. Um, and then all of our listeners who don't live in the Nashville area, we invite you to come visit Nashville whenever, you know, whenever we get past uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and we can all start doing those things again. We invite everyone to come to Nashville and see this beautiful city. Go enjoy those concerts. That's what inspired this topic. So that's going to do it for episode 16 of the Catfish and Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And again, we're presented by DraftKings. Go uh, download the app and get that promo code put in so you can predict on the Super Bowl and predict a touchdown. Uh, I'm Chad Mitten with Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. We will see you uh, next week for episode 17. Please reach out to us on Twitter and follow the Catfish and Ice podcast at Catfish Ice. We're always on there uh, responding to our followers and putting out awesome stuff related to the Preds. So go make sure you go ahead and follow us there on Twitter if you're on Twitter. Until next time, please, everyone, stay safe and keep uh, cheering on those Predators because they got some more awesome things ahead of for us this season. Until next time, take care, everybody. See you.